Welcome to the Nightmares Podcast, where we talk about everything horror, movies, TV shows, video games, comic books, and so much more. I'm Brandon, and with me today are Zach and Mark. Yes, sir. The, uh, so, so today we are talking about uh, a topic that I'm very, very shocked that we never did before, considering Living Nightmares, uh, the show that we do. That we're going to talk about horror movies that are based on real life events or true stories. I don't know why I felt the need to have a creepy voice, but I did. The uh, I did an all right job at it. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks. I'm glad for your encouragement, Zach. Oh, absolutely. I'm here to encourage you all the time and how shitty of a job you do. And just for that little bit of sass, you get to go first. Fuck you. Good for you. Okay. Go. All right. Oh, I gotta censor that because that's offensive. Okay. Alright, so I'm talking about kind of a big one today. This is the only real one that I know about, but it's one of my favorite shark movies. It's in my top five. There's not too many good shark movies out there, so yeah. The movie is 12 Days of Terror. It is a movie that is based off the 1916 shark attacks that happened on New Jersey. Or in New Jersey, technically, whatever you want to say. Um, so essentially what happened is over the course of 12 days, six people were attacked by a shark. One person survived but was severely injured. Now, because this is 1916, you got to remember, people didn't know about sharks, didn't know half as much as we know about sharks today. You know, they thought they were just kind of like the demons of the ocean to a degree, but, you know, they also were under the mindset that if you were just on the beach, a shark wasn't going to bother you. They thought that, you know, they they're only on the ocean, they just fuck around out there, and they're never going to come in and bother you. They were horribly wrong, and this, I think, was the first wake-up call that sharks can actually, you know, fuck with you on the beach. So, anyways, story starts, um, lifeguard, you know, he's out there, he's doing his job and everything like that, his friends come to visit him, you know, he gets back to doing his duty, and then, guy gets attacked by a shark, you know, everybody freaks out, goes, visits him, and, you know, brings him into this hotel and whatnot, and, uh, yeah, dude dies, uh, he goes, talk to the managers of the hotel, and, uh, they bring in an expert, and he asks him, was this, did you see a shark? No, but... You say it was a shark attack. Yeah, I didn't see the shark, but, you know, it. what else could it have been? Well, maybe it was a U-boat or something. I want to point out this was smack dab in the middle of World War One, so, yeah, that threat and fear was definitely out there. But, you know, they're right on the fucking beach. A U-boat's not going to do shit to you on the beach. That's just insane. But, and, by, and by the way, I love how super casual he was about, about a U-boat. Like, that's a threat of national security. And he's like, eh, maybe it's a U-boat. Maybe it's the Germans. Well, yeah, that's a problem, too. The uh, You don't just get to forget about that. Yeah, either way, it's like you're still going to leave the beaches open? Like, this this, this lifeguard's just like, you need to close the beaches. That's our source of... Everybody else is like, no, that's our source of income. We can't do that unless, you know, we have concrete proof that this was an actual shark attack. Regardless, though, if it was a U-boat, I still think that would be a good enough reason, but, you know... the it Sounds U- like Jaws. Oh, it's, it's very much like Jaws. Okay, so I forgot to point this out. This is the story that Jaws was based around, I believe. At least that's what I believe. Um, I've I've read it in a few places that this is the story that Jaws was based off of. It's the story that inspired Jaws, so on and so forth. And in this movie, you could definitely see similarities to this in the movie. You know, you have the town that doesn't want to shut down because all their income comes from the people that are visiting, doing vacationing, swimming on the beach, and, you know, all that jazz. It's the same thing with Amity Island. You know, both take place on the 4th of July, and... All that fun shit. Even the ending, it's like they all go out, sail, and kill the shark, and, you know, they're the heroes and shit like that. Realistically, that part never happened in, like, real life. You know, it was just the 12 days and so on and so forth. And um, then the sharks moved on. 
here's the thing. It could have been one shark. It could have been multiple sharks. That That's the thing. You never know. Because the, there's thousands of fucking sharks in the ocean. One fun thing, though, is nobody knows whether or not... It, okay, so towards the end of this, like towards the end of the... I believe this was on the 12th day. These kids are swimming in this freshwater creek and they get attacked by a shark. Nobody can confirm, though, whether or not it was a bull shark or a great white. Now, here's the thing. Bull sharks are more than capable of surviving in freshwater. They can. It's, it once swam up the fucking Gulf of Mexico and almost got to Lake Michigan at one point. I have a theory that if there weren't so many dams, eventually there'd be bull sharks in Lake Michigan, but, you know, that's besides the point. You know something crazy? You know the only reason how, why I actually know that bull sharks can't survive in freshwater? Because hmm. it was a fucking tagline for a shitty shark movie on the sci-fi network. Is it the one with Dolph, uh, what's his name? Yes. Yeah, yes. I saw that movie. Yeah. It was so fucking stupid. I'm like... <laughs> That is literally the only reason why I... I actually didn't even know if it was actually true. I just... Oh, I just, it's very I, true. I just, I just took their word for it. Yeah, I, I got halfway through the movie before. I'm like, dude, I love you, but no, this this movie's stupid. Did you give the family guy done? Yeah. <laughs> done? Anyways, back to the story. But yeah, nobody knows whether or not it was a great white or a bull shark. Now, a great white theoretically... You're, you're talking about the 12 Days of Terror shark. Oh, yeah, for the 12 okay. Days of Terror. Like, this whole event, nobody know. Like, at least in the real-life event, you know, in the actual movie, 12 Days of Terror... It was a great white doing all this. It was okay. an angry great white. Just so you don't keep it a mystery what kind of shark it is. It oh, is yeah, you can clearly firm. tell. Like, okay. So they do a good mix of practical and CGI. There's one part where the shark's head comes out, and it's clearly this ridiculous plastic great white shark. It doesn't look terrible, especially for a 2004 made-for-TV movie by Discovery Channel. In fact, I just want to say, even though it's a made-for-TV movie by Discovery Channel that was made in 2004, it's... Pretty damn good movie, and it looks really legit. There's just a few things in there, like costume-wise, where I'm like, I don't think that's how a lifeguard would dress back then, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Anyways, back to the story. It's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah, the real story, nobody knows if it was a great white or a bull shark. Nobody can confirm that. Again, it was 1916, so stuff's very much a mystery there, but it very well could have been a bull shark. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with this, though, because I know that we talked about it a little bit before, the um about with this specific topic we wanted to make sure that this was legitimately based on a real life event not just inspired by a real life event and i know there was a little bit of discussion yeah. about whether or not this was it, this sounds like way oh, no. more like a direct direct influence yeah. to jaws like, so well d based on what zach is saying here and I, I haven't seen 12 days of terror so i can only go so far with this so based on what zach is saying it sounds like 12 Days of Terror is more in line with the actual true story. Correct. Yeah. Now, if Correct. you take a true story to the screen, there are always going to be things you got to do. Of course. Because, like, you can't... Because, like, if it was truly true to life, 12 Days of Terror, that would literally be a 12-day movie. People just going through their lives, it would be boring. Yeah. Um, so movies are always going... Even the most accurate movies are still going to have... Cuts. Cuts, uh, changes for dramatic effect. Of course. We're, we're not talking about documentaries here. That ha We're not talking about documentaries that have to be like 100% accurate, but it still should be the true story. Yeah. yeah. Um, which we're going to get into some interesting aspects of that with my picks. One in particular um, 
but we'll get into that. Yeah, fair, we'll get fair to enough. I, I do want to point out though. So this apparently was made by Discovery Channel. Every time I look, like even the YouTube upload of the full movie says Discovery Channel 2004 movie. So there's two versions of this movie. There is the 2004 Discovery Channel narrative movie, which I love, and then in 2009 during Shark Week they actually made a mockumentary of the events that happened and. It's like they were actually filming, like, if you were to go back, like, take a time machine and film interviews with all the people who experienced this event in 1916, that's essentially what it's like. Was it in black and white? No, it wasn't in black and white. It was in full... Like I said, it's literally impossible what they did, but they treat it like a full-on documentary that was shot in 1916 yeah. with interviews of the actual people. It's really cool, very informative. It's definitely one of the better things they, uh, they've done over the years. Yeah. This was, like, right before the time Shark Week started releasing those shitty Megalodon and the Hunt for the Super Great White Ultimate Edition Times 3, or whatever the fuck they do. Dude, they Did you know Deep Blue Sea 3 just came out on Blu-ray We're not going to talk week. about that. Uh, the, uh, they had to compete with, with History Channel, bro. Like, that's right around that time when Aliens, the alien guy, came to fruition. Oh, so Discovery Channel's like, we're losing viewership because all the people are going to the History Channel to watch the crazy alien guy to talk about the alien pyramids. So we gotta make we gotta we gotta amp up the craziness. Yeah. I just want to point out every now and then Shark Week does actually put a legitimate documentary about sharks that like gives new info about sharks. So they still do a decent job, but for the most part, it's like let's have that one. What the fuck's his name? Michael Phelps race a great white. Yeah, bullshit. I saw that video on YouTube. I'm like, all right, yeah, you're not gonna actually. It's a stupid CG. I'm like, fuck you. This is stupid. Michael Phelps ain't on swimming a great white. Get the fuck out of here. Like you're gonna train a great white to actually no fuck you. But 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 you're not but you're not bitter though you know or upset about this in any way right? Yeah, the... I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I was talking about before because I know that there is a distinct line between, and this is the funny thing is that the 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 story and the movie Jaws you know blurs that line very very well. It, it, something that's based on something versus something that's inspired by something. And this and this actually is probably more on the based on side when I'm referring to Jaws oh. and the actual event than um uh, than than some other things like uh, Friday the Thirteenth is is inspired by a murder in the '70s in Sweden of teenagers that were at a camping a campground. Scream was based on the Gainesville Ripper. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was Ed Gein. Thank you. So I mean, you know, as very loose. Yeah, as was Psycho. Yeah, and Science of the Lambs. Fair enough. The because uh, of the pit thing, right? It was Buffalo Bill. A Buffalo, yeah, because the Buffalo Bill had the, yeah. the the pit. All those are very loose, though. So yeah. yeah, this was. But this one, no, it's like legit. Like a lot of like, I believe all the deaths that happened in this movie were like based on the actual deaths that happened during the actual nineteen sixteen shark attacks. Mm. So it's a very accurate movie, but again, it also has that narrative spin to it. But if you go watch the documentary, that one is just. From my understanding, full blown legit. I haven't seen the documentary since it actually came out back in two thousand nine, but the last time I watched this movie, what uh, the Twelve Days of Terror narrative film was, uh, several years ago. I got through half of it the other day before you know you showed up and ruined my movie going experience. <laughs> Whoops. We all thought he was sleeping on the couch, just knocked out on pain pills, but apparently he wasn't. He was driving here. I needed a nap after work. What's the problem? Mm -hmm. All right. But yeah, um, 12 Days of Terror and the documentary version. I can't remember what it's called. It's in the 2009 Shark Week special, so I believe it was like the first thing they showed. It was their Monday edition, so if you go on Amazon Prime and look, 
It's literally the first episode of Shark Week from 2009, so if you want to find the documentary, you can find it there. If you want to find the actual movie, 12 Days of Terror, there's an English copy of it on YouTube. That's where I tried watching it the other day, but other than that, finding an actual physical copy, there's a $50 uh, version on Amazon. Otherwise, try your luck on eBay, but it is expensive. And I know that you had mentioned here's a, like, a fun little like through-line correlation. I know that... The, the event happened in New Jersey, right? Yeah. And then also this movie that's based on happened in New Jersey. And yep. the original book by Peter Benchley, Jaws, was actually set on the Jersey Shore. They had changed it to Martha's Vineyard just because, I think it was price reasons or whatever the case may be, as aesthetic reasons for the film. But I, I, I think that's really cool that they have that through line between the, uh, the three of those different things. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, this is definitely one of my top five favorite shark movies. Um and again, it's a small list because there's just so many. And for every one good shark movie, there's like a hundred shitty ones. Fuck you, Sharknado. Anyways. I think one one to ten. I think one to ten is probably no, a better go ratio. With every hundred because... Mm, I don't think there's that many. The uh, You'd be surprised. I mean, the Sharknado numbers alone have bumped it up by about 200, so... Yep. Oh, that's just... You have Ghost Shark... There's literally five shark of the... Shark Exorcist. No, there's literally five of the headed shark movies. So it started with the two-headed shark. Then there was the sequel to the two-headed shark. Then there was the three-headed shark, the four-headed shark, the five-headed shark. I think they're on seven now. I have no idea. There's Sharktopus versus uh, Piranaconda. It's... You, I shit you not, these are real movies. What the fuck? The only thing I'm surprised they haven't done yet, and it's probably because they just haven't figured out a way to do it, is Shark, shark versus Lake Placid or some shit like that. We have Anaconda versus Lake Placid, which is hilarious, but we haven't gotten a shark versus that yet. I Give them time, though. Sci-Fi's trying to figure it out. Megalodon versus Super Croc. That's, that's how that rolls. You know what? For all we know, that could that be a real a movie. movie. Yeah. Is it really a movie? I think it might be. Oh, that, that sounds pretty hurts. legit. That hurts. That hurts my head. It hurts my brain. But you know what? what's not going to hurt my brain? Is Brandon talking about his selections? Because I know he was itching to jump in, uh, jump in and make all some right. correlations. Well, uh, so I have two picks today. Uh, one of which, as I was watching it, I was looking up what the true story was. And I found out, oh, this isn't based on a true story. It's inspired by a true story. Whoops. And that's The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Which is about a girl named Emily Rose. And there's a priest who is arrested because due to, I believe the term is neglectful homicide. And he performed an exorcism on her and she ended up dying. And basically the movie is his trial. And mm. the events are told through flashback. It's a really interesting premise. It's overall a pretty well done movie. Um, since working in the legal field for about a year, year and a half now, there are a few things where I go, mm, I don't believe that's how it would work in real life. Um, the court system in real life is nowhere near as fast as it is in movies. In a movie, somebody gets arrested for murder. That trial is happening the next day, practically. Yeah, it, it'll take years. Yeah, it's like there are no depositions. You're still discovering evidence as the trial is going on. No. Uh, yeah, no, no. Brandon, I think you should just write and direct a horror movie that's just like, Court System, The Real Case Files. <laughs> Actually, I do want to write a, a courtroom horror movie. I don't know what the subject matter will be, but I, I do think if taking the court system seriously, I think you could do a really good horror drama with that framing device. The... Um, but yeah, uh, 
Tom Wilkinson plays the priest who is on trial. Laura Linney plays his lawyer. Two of the finest actors out there. Um, Jennifer Carpenter of Dexter fame plays Emily Rose. Um, and this was, I think... 2004? Um, this was 2005, so oh. I believe three years before Dexter started. Oh, okay. Um, and of cool. course, she was also in Quarantine, which was the remake of Wreck. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Yep, yep, yep. The, the, the lesser remake. Yeah. Or lesser version of that story, we'll call it. Um, but yeah, so the actual true story is a, about a German girl in the 1970s, mid-70s, I believe, named Annalise Michelle. And she was basically diagnosed with psychosis, epilepsy, depression, and she did seek the help of a priest to perform an exorcism on her, and she did die. I can't remember if there was an actual trial with, with the priest, but Hearst, but Annalise's story is told in a 2006 German movie called Requiem, uh, which I did not have time to seek out and actually watch. But if you've seen The Exorcism of Emily Rose and liked it or didn't like it, but are curious about the actual true story that inspired the movie, uh, Requiem is the movie you want to go to. Cool. Um, so I do hope to find a copy of that soon. So... Yeah, but yeah, um, outside of that being inspired rather than based on situation, and despite my issues with how fast the court system goes in that movie's universe, it is a good movie. Uh, it was uh, co-written and directed by Scott Derrickson, who did uh, Sinister, Doctor Strange, uh, one of the Hellraisers. I think it was Hellraiser Inferno. Inferno, which one was that? I, I, I think no it was the one after Bloodline. Bloodline, okay, so it was... Okay, that one's not a bad one. That one's yeah. actually a pretty decent one. Um, you know, he also did the unfortunate Day the Earth Stood still remake with Keanu Reeves. Oh, yeah. We don't talk about that. Yeah. Um, and, of course, he quit off of Doctor Strange 2 not too long ago. I wonder why. Um, so, yeah, then my other pick is the 2000 movie Shadow of the Vampire with uh, John Malkovich as director F.W. Murnau and Willem Dafoe in an Oscar-nominated role as Max Schreck. And this movie is about... It takes place during the making of Nosferatu mm. in the early 1920s. I never even heard of this movie. And it's sort of based on the actual true story. This is sort of one that kind of rides the line between based on and inspired by... Because, yeah, the, the names are, are real. A movie called Nosferatu was, in fact, made. But this movie, Shadow the Vampire, is based on an urban legend that Max Schreck was an actual real vampire. Mm. Which is why his performance and the way he looked in the movie was so terrifying to audiences in the 1920s. So it's sort of that whole man who shot liberty valance when the legend becomes truth print the legend type deal always always print the legend so that's so yeah that's the uh situation we're heading into for shadow of the vampire and it's a really interesting movie uh because like um yeah john malkovich plays fw murnau and he's talking about how he has this great actor for the vampire nosferatu which you don't know Nosferatu is Dracula, but he couldn't get the rights, so he just changed the names of all the characters, and I think um, changed the 
uh, setting in a couple places. Um, but for all intents and purposes, Nosferatu is Dracula. Count Orlok is Count Dracula. Um, so you talk about how he, this actor he's bringing in is a method actor, will only be addressed by the cast and crew as Count Orlok, will only appear in full makeup, will only film at night, and basically uh, Murnau is sacrificing cast and crew members to Max Schreck <laughs> in exchange for a, the most authentic performance. Basically, the movie's a metaphor for people who take artistic vision too far. Yeah, there's a lot of examples of that. Yeah. Um, which you, you, that may bring comparisons to how Kubrick works, which is kind of ironic because the, the yeah, cinematographer for Shadow of the Vampire was a best boy on Clockwork Orange and the gaffer for Barry Lyndon and The Shining. Nice. So to get back to Shadow of the Vampire, it's a really good movie. Yeah. Um, the way Willem Dafoe's character, or Willem Dafoe portraying Max Schreck, the way he's introduced is... He's not even introduced to his fellow cast members. It's uh, the actor who's being played by um, Eddie Izzard, which the cast in this movie is freaking phenomenal. Like you have Eddie Izzard in there, Malkovich and Defoe, as I said, Carrie Ells in there as this like devil may care director of photography who comes in after the original DP gets killed, um, and he's like like Carrie Ells is the DP. He's like. He, start, he starts rolling the camera and he needs to get, and they need a frightened reaction from the cast. So he just pulls out a gun, fires in the air, and he's like, ah, oh, damn, I should have captured that in slow motion. <laughs> what do you mean slow motion? <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Well, shit. Like he's wearing like the, that old leather, like pi pilot's jacket and everything. Like, you know what's so funny though? Like, I don't know like, why. Think, think the most old timey adventurer from the 1920s and that is his dp character in the movie well now i have to see this movie the uh i you know what and that's the funny thing is when it's the reverse and directors are using in apparently dps are using strategy i'm not as upset about them the um uh, a perfect example is 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 scream um they never they never had any of the cast members be introduced to roger jackson the guy who played the voice um, so they never wanted to, uh, um, Wes never wanted them to know him on a personal level. And when they're on the phone with him, they were actually on the phone with him. There wasn't, it was obviously, I think it was cleaned up, you know, later on in oh, post, yeah. but they were legitimately on the phone with him and, and them. And I, like that shit I, I like, um, because that's, that's not necessarily being a dick. That's just actually really good strategy. Yeah. That's being a dick. The um, shooting off a, a live round gun and it's a good reaction. It was 1920s Germany, yeah. Um, what was I saying? So yeah, so Willem Dafoe's introduction. They're actually filming the scene. And basically Eddie Izzard is outside this castle. And there's like this walkway that leads to the door in like this cavern. And you just sort of see Willem Dafoe in the background in shadow. And it's like, you're not even sure if it's him. And he's just slowly coming up to the door, meeting Eddie Izzard. And then he's just standing there. And Eddie Izzard's character is like frightened because he can just tell something is off about this guy. And it's a really good introduction. Um, Willem Dafoe was nominated for the Oscar for this movie. Lost nice. to Vinicio Del Toro for Traffic. Um, that's a tough pick out of those two. Fair but enough. Those are the top two of those five nominees that year, I'd say. Yeah. And the movie was nominated for Best Makeup, transforming Max Shrek into 
or turning Willem Dafoe into Max Shrek the vampire. Nice. Or Max Shrek playing Count Orlock. Um, lost best makeup to uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas to oh. bring it back to Jim Carrey. Good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, final things about Shadow of the Vampire. Produced by a first-time producer by the name of Nicolas Cage. Well, now I have to see it. Yep. And then, um, like I said, Malkovich plays director F.W. Murnau, who also did the movie Metropolis in 1927, and which was, um, I believe, one of Adolf Hitler's favorite movies. And that's, actually... That's, what a strange thing. Well, interesting. Th- well, this is where it gets interesting as well. Because um, Metropolis was 27... And then his first American movie was Sunrise, also in 2728. Okay. Um, it was, at the, fir- at the very first Oscars, there was like Best Picture. Wings. And then Best Picture Technical Achievement. Interesting. Which is the only year that um, award existed. And Sunrise was the first and only winner of that award. So yeah. there were two Best Picture awards and Sunrise was the technical one. And then the, it was the... also the first Best Cinematography winner as well. Oh, that's cool. Um, but if you're wondering, what, if you're going through Murnau's filmography and you're wondering why it's like German movie, German movie, German movie, now he's making American movies all of a sudden. Well, Murnau was half Jewish. And Adolf Hitler actually approached him about making movies for him, and Murnau was like, "Yeah, okay." And he wasn't, sh- but he wasn't sure if it was really a trap because he was half Jewish. So he was like, "Yeah, okay." Buys a train ticket out of Germany, goes to America. <laughs> Smart move, my friend. Yep. The, uh, the um, that'd be a great comedy sketch. Just, just to see. Yeah, I would love to do it as he's packing up his whole house. Yeah, I would love to do it. Dude, I would like, it would be a great comedy sketch and a great fucking horror sketch. Yes, both of those are great. Like, mm-hmm. you're half Jewish and Adolf Hitler's approaching you to make movies for him? I'd be like, how the fuck do you respond? You get just agree, like, yeah, sure, yeah. Oh, be there at two? Yeah, sure. Dude, that was, that, that was like, that was, that was a great story from Robert Williams. He was on a German talk show one time. And and they and the 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 host was like, Mr. Williams, why did you not think that there's not much comedy in Germany? And he said, he said, could it be perhaps that you killed all the funny people? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what her, her response was? No. <laughs> clueless, fucking clueless, way over her head. Well. As Brian from Family Guy would ask, uh, what's with these missing years? Everyone was on vacation! <laughs> it was a party punch was served. Check with Poland. Uh, what, what was the director's name again? F.W. Murnau. Yeah, didn't F.W. Murnau leave during this time and this time? Oh, yes. No, he went to go open a Daddy Queen. Oh, that's, that's right. That's well, right. No, no, here's the thing. I don't think he said F.W. Murnau. I think he said someone else. I can't remember the I name do, exactly. That might, that might have been. It very well might have been. Dude, I, but still. We're going to watch that later like, to oh, actually absolutely. Can, confirm that. Yeah, so I, I doubt it was, but knowing how deep some of their references get, I wouldn't be surprised either way. You yeah. could put a lot of people in that line and it, it would still fit. Yeah. No, he went to go open a Daddy Queen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's that checks out. And then the guy proceeds to go on a whole huge German hail rant. The uh... yeah, and then um, but yeah, he's done some really good movies. Like Metropolis is great. He also did M with uh, Peter Laurie. 
I've I've always I've th- I've come across this movie a couple times. It I is never super got the chance interesting. To see it. Do you feel know like what a, it is? I feel like I've heard the title M before, but I've never seen it. It is super interesting. So basically, there's this child murderer going around like killing kids in the in the city. Well, that's what child yeah, murderers do. Uh, obviously, I was tripping over my own words, yeah. but that causes like the cops to, to be like super locked down and just like. We need to find this guy. And so security and the police are just so tight around the city that organized crime cannot do what they need to do. Mm. So the organized criminals actually band together, form an alliance to find this child murderer. Wow. See, I know you've told me about this story before, and it sounds super freaking interesting. Yeah, 1931. It got very experimental with its sound, too. Like so this Murnau, is a 1931 movie. Yes, and Murnau did experiment with just like completely dropping the sound out during some scenes to create suspense. Uh, it's really interesting. Dude, this is actually a cool concept. Like, and that's and that, it, yeah. it's that concept's been used on many different ways and many different angles. Um, uh, you know, but that angle is interesting. I and agree. I believe William Friedkin, the director of French Connection, Exorcist, Sorcerer, um, I believe there's an interview of him interviewing Murnau. It's like maybe an hour and a half, two hours long on the Criterion DVD and Blu-ray. Nice, Ooh. nice, nice. The uh, I know, I mean, yeah, but that that concept has been used a lot. But the funny thing is, it hasn't really been done that way where it's perspective of the larger groups chasing the one individual it's often the coverage of the one individual running away from the from the giant groups um big, big example is max Payne, the uh the first max Payne uh, game that is literally him running away from the cops and from organized crime the entire game but yeah that's an interesting cool that's that's cool yeah. like to the, do the the other way of doing that max Payne, great game yeah. horrible movie. um shadow of the vampire very worth your time uh, there's only a DVD of it out there. Um, it could really use an HD remaster. Fair so enough. could 12 Days of Terror. Yeah. Discovery Channel, come on. If you're listening to this, I would also love to go on one of your shark documentaries, please. I'm an excellent diver, but I do need to get certified. So if you wouldn't mind helping me out with that, that'd be great. Look, I'll swim in open water with a great white. Tiger shark even. Not a bull shark. You couldn't pay me enough money to fucking do that, though, all right? The... Uh... <laughs> Right. Zach's plea to the Discovery Channel to live his uh, lifelong fantasies. Yeah. So, Mark, uh, tell us about The Conjuring. <laughs> As thunder crashes in the skies. Yes. Um, uh, the uh, <laughs> was he right though? He is. Uh, I, but there is, another movie that I, there is another movie that. There is another movie that. In this day and age, you can't you can't get away with talking about true stories without talking about The Conjuring. Not you know, at least in my perspective, I still think it's a great movie. At least mix it up and do Conjuring Two. The uh, I've you know what the funny thing is I've not seen Conjuring Two yet. He's only seen the first Conjuring movie. The and I refuse to watch any of the other any well, of the other the, ones. The, the Conjuring Universe movies. Uh... Yeah, I can leave those alone. The uh, look Conjuring Two, good. The Nun wasn't bad, but it wasn't you know great or anything. I haven't seen any of the Annabelle movies, but I hear, you know, they get better as they go along. Yeah. Heard... And then La Llorona was fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah, that, that seems, seems to be the end of the line with that. Yeah, but... and then we're getting Conjuring 3 within the next two years, I hear. You, you know, the funny thing is... That... From the director of La Llorona, I believe. Ooh. That's, that could be good, it could be bad. I don't know. I'm going to watch the rest of the movies at some point, but, you know, I just need to give a shit. I will still see Conjuring 3. I do like the Conjuring movies. It's... 
the Conjuring expanded universe stuff that I have no interest in. And neither do I. I I'm just a sucker for, if I see one part of a series and I go into it, I have to see the rest of it. That's that's why I refuse to start a whole bunch of other th- these series, because it's like, I, I do not have the time nor the patience to give a shit about all your lore that you're inevitably going to fuck up somehow. Yeah, I've, I've been, I used to be like that, where I had to finish something out. Um, yeah. to Which, did, did you see that thing going around on Facebook? It was just like, the Annabelle doll has escaped. What else can go wrong in 2020? <laughs> and I'm just like, you do realize the actual real Annabelle doll is just a raggedy Annabelle doll. Yeah. The, uh, and then, I believe what if you touch it, it kills you or something. I don't know. It's, it's I don't know something something about that. Yeah. The um, and I know that uh, and funny enough, I know that Chucky is based on Robert the Doll. Um, the um, I know we weren't doing loosely based stuff, but that is actually based on a real life doll that is sitting in the museum of odd artifacts in Key West right now. It is and apparently that doll is a an actual a live doll that haunted an entire family for you know two or three generations you know a movie I'd love to see just because of how fucking stupid it would be mm. Chucky and Annabelle <laughs> yes <laughs> dude there oh my god do you know how many memes I've seen of that dude like with, you know surprisingly what? I haven't seen any oh, no 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 this, this is a great great meme it's literally it's the it's the bride of, it's Chucky's bride and literally with Chucky's cell phone, like who's this bitch? And it's Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen that one. The and I'm like oh. surprisingly, I haven't seen any memes revolving those two. And I'm surprised. Like this is the first time I've even thought about it. I'm like, wait, how the fuck has nobody made these jokes yet? Yeah, Apparently somebody has. I just haven't seen them. The uh, yeah. But anyway, I, you know what? I think I'll I'll be brief with the Conjuring. Everybody knows what the hell the Conjuring is about. Um, added in and Lorraine um, Warren and all their investigations that they've done in this particular house. The, I think the thing that I like about it, and I haven't mentioned this in previous ones, is that, and they even demonstrate this in a lot of the scenes in the film, is that they always go for logic first. It isn't, you know, it isn't fucking, you know, the paranormal shows on the Travel Channel. Yeah. Like, there's a direct... Like, there was that scene where the warrants show up, and it was like, oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's this thing in your pipes. Correct. It's, it, like, literally, like, and they actually gave them, like, plumbing advice. They're like, yeah, yeah you might want to check this, and, like, you know, and he literally, Ed literally says, he's like, always go for the logical explanation first. And and I think that, in, and I've heard that in interviews from Ed that he actually always goes for the logical purpose first, which gives me more comfortability of their credibility. Yeah. Like it lets me like, I'm like, maybe you did in fact have these experiences and maybe some shit did go down the way that you describe it. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen the conjuring, I highly recommend it. It's a great movie for what it was. How I saw it was perfect. Literally. It was several years ago with the brought this up in my actors interview. It was the, the girl I was dating that was the editor that introduced me to Tim. And we had just come out on DVD. We we literally, she had these great curtains that blacked out um, blacked out the window. And there was no light coming in. There was no light anywhere in the apartment. For some reason, she only had that one window. And if that window was blacked out and the lights went out, it was pitch black. There was nothing in there. And then literally all we saw was her TV screen. And we watched the entire movie like that. And I'm like, this is exactly how this should be done. Yeah. The, um, and it was with a group of friends, and there were a few... It, it was very similar commentary on how we, we watch movies. The um, So it wasn't to the point where it was overbearing, but we were, ha- we were having fun. There was excitement. It felt like I was watching it in the theater. Like, I yeah. could feel the well, I, energy I, I did see it in, the in it. It was a good theater experience. Really well-shot movie, too. Um, Beautifully shot movie. John R. Leonetti did a 
cinematographer actually did an interview on the ASC podcast where he talks so it's been a few years since I've listened to it um, but I do remember him talking about like that one shot that just goes through the house when they first move in yeah and he was like that was to help establish the geography of the house which are basically our rules yeah exactly um, and then of course he got promoted to director for Annabelle because that worked so well when they did that with him in the Mortal Kombat movies yeah. He was the DP of Mortal Kombat and the director of Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah. They Which really to, should learn with to, this to, man. To, to, to be fair, he does have... His cinematography career is one I am insanely jealous of. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of interesting the, the, shit. The Conjuring, the pilot for Tales from the Crypt, uh, Piranha 3D. Um, he's done a lot of interesting movies. Uh, Mortal Kombat, of course. And... His director's career, though, mm, sure, Annihilation, see. Butterfly Effect 2, Ooh. Annabelle, Wish Upon. Ooh. Ooh. Have you ever seen Wish Upon? I have No, you seen, don't want to. I have no desire to do We've so. We've talked about it enough. Let's move on. It's a good one to make fun of. The, um, but, but, but as a cinematographer, he is great, I think. Yeah, and you know what? And it's just one of those movies that it everything about it feels... I know this is all based on them, but everything about it feels real. It it feels like this is a real family. It feels yeah. like these are real investigators. I mean, I remember the. Um, you know what? Something brilliant is like I. There's a few film trailers that I remember um, uh, for their effectiveness, and and actually, there's only two that I'm thinking of on the top of my head. Was Pirates of the Caribbean: The Curse of the Black Pearl, which is a great fucking trailer. I still. I still watch it every once in a while just for kicks. I think the third one had a better tra- trailer, they, but that's it did. Me. It did have a good trailer for sure. But the Conjuring had a great fucking trailer. The um uh, and the and I never saw a single trailer for that movie. It, it, and, and for some reason, you're not the first person to say this. Yeah. Like, like like the only reason I heard of the Conjuring when it came out is because I was with Wes. And he, he was just talking, like, he was obsessed with it. Like, he fucking loved it. Like, oh my god, the cinematography is amazing. I'm like, okay, it, it cool. It is, it is. Yeah. But again, I was coming off the cups, like I said, this was around the time where, like, every horror movie that came out was fucking stupid for the most part, so I was like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. So yeah, I remember having this conversation with somebody around that same time. I'm like, oh, this is what you do when you put talent in front of and behind the camera during a horror movie. I was like, oh, that's, that's we should do that more often. The um uh, and actually have quality actors in horror movies and have and have quality directors and cinematographers. Again, it happens just not as often as yeah, it should. The, I mean, the two movies I mentioned today. Yeah, I mean most movies from the eighties. Very very true. But the um, but yeah, I just remember specifically with the with the trailer and then the and this scene was great in the movie was when they cut out all the sound and all you heard was the recording equipment. And you heard the inside of his headphones, and that was it. And they did a lot of really dramatic things in the trailer, and they just stopped the fucking sound. And they, and then all you can hear is that little turn of volume uh, going up. And I'm like, this is this just everything about this is just feels like it just feels good. It feels right on what it's doing and the decisions that it's making. And it doesn't have to be overly violent. Um, and actually, the funny thing is, no one dies in that movie, except animals. Like no people actually die in that movie, the and and that's the you know and that's the interesting thing because a lot if you ask most people I, I think they would say oh yeah at least a few people died like no nobody died the um but it was but it was that effective all by itself 
the um, I think it was I think that there was a big thing about that because it was rated R because it was scary. Pretty much. The um, yeah. uh, you know, which again, great movie. I, you know, I've talked about it on many other podcasts. Um, go and listen to our other podcasts and watch other stuff, and you'll hear me talk about it a lot. But um, yeah, the two movies he constantly jacks off are The Conjuring and Scream. Just so you know, the I have other movies. Uh, the Conjuring and Scream, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. <laughs> Um, uh, so the one I did watch uh, f- in preparation for this is the Mothman Prophecies, uh, which was based on a real-life event that happened in the 1960s uh, in, I think, West Pleasant, uh, Pleasant Town or Pleasant... I, I know it's not Pleasantville, because that's... The, that would the, be an interesting movie. That would be an interesting movie, but I, it's in somewhere in West Virginia, um, either West Virginia or Ohio, and apparently there were a lot of crazy sightings by multiple town members of this Mothman creature um, and then a lot of other weird instances where people would uh, pick up phones and there would be this loud screeching and or white noise um, and the people would be getting visions and um, and blacking out not remembering that they drew things and you know and and heard, heard voices and things like that eventually leading up to a bridge collapse which I forgot the name how much how many lives that claimed, um, but it was a significant enough. It was a it was a pretty devastating bridge crash, and um, and then a supernatural writer wrote a book about it, and then it was adapted into a movie in two thousand and three, starring Richard Gere and the actress from your Laura other Lenny. Laura Lenny, thank you. Um, Who was also in Truman Show? Yes, she was. She was the. Uh, <laughs> what? Um, uh, how can you love me? You hate me. Like I don't hate you. Life from Truman Show, um, uh, and then she tries to sell uh, a shitty coffee product. Um, but anyway, uh, the the movie is stars uh, Richard Gere, who is um, a reporter for the Washington Post, and he does a lot of political commentary. He has a wife uh, that he um, just recently married. They're about to move into a house. Unfortunately, um, the night that they sign the paperwork for the house, they get into a car accident uh, where um, the wife actually experiences a vision of the Mothman. Um, they end up going to the hospital to find out that she has a brain tumor uh, and it's a um, fatal brain tumor and she ends up dying. And um, uh, and then obviously two, year, two years pass, um, uh, Richard Gere is trying to move on with his life um, and just trying to get rid of, you know, visions and, and things of the situation. And just to clear his head, he ends up driving, um, just start driving and then all of a sudden his car dies in the middle of nowhere. Um, he ends up uh, walking up to a, uh, a house, um, asking for directions, and the man pulls a shotgun on him, uh, played by the guy who played the assistant coach in Remember the Titans. Um, I, I always forget the actor's name, but he's been in a, he's he's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, he's great, great actor for what he does. Great that movie in forever. He's a great character actor. He's been in a bunch. If you saw his face, you'd be like, oh shit, that guy. Um, uh, the been in a bunch of great stuff. Um, and then some, you know, and then some interesting things start happening, um, uh, where he uh, starts talking to the sheriff, played by, I'm sorry, I forgot, <laughs> Laura Lenny. Laura Lenny, thank you. Um, uh, and she's a sheriff; she's lived there her entire life, and she's starting to notice that that situation wasn't just a weird thing. Because this guy pulled a shotgun on him because apparently he had been showing up at his house several days in a row. And he said, I'm going to shoot you if you ever come back on my property. But Richard Gere doesn't remember any of that. In fact, he traveled 200 miles without even without even remembering that he traveled 200 miles to this town. 
And then, and then it just becomes an investigation movie. There's, you know, they start interviewing a lot of people in the town who are seeing this Mothman. There's like 20 different people. And then people that are, you know, normal people. They, you know, there's a teenage couple uh, that ran into one and they, um, they had a really bright light and the guy's eyes started bleeding. Uh, the one guy that pulled a shotgun on him ends up getting, you know, visions and things about how, like people are gonna die, and there's more things that are going on, and then, um, and then, and then it's just Richard Gere trying to figure out, you know, what exactly is going on and what weird shit is going on in this town, which is loosely, which is based on the situation that happened in there. Um, I actually really enjoyed this. Um, uh, the um, I really enjoyed, but I I have a thing for mysteries um if, if it can hold me if it gets me asking the question like where is this leading to the um and as long as the payoff doesn't completely suck the um i'm, I'm pretty much sold on that kind of movie if it can hold my attention and i'm like okay where's this going what's going on this is this is interesting that's interesting and it became a just a straight up mystery and it had a lot of horror elements in it which was pretty cool um uh, there's a lot of interesting visions of the mothman the tension was good it it, it reminded me um I know this concept has been done, you know, in other movies and other television shows where people have premonitions of death about to happen. There's other things that happen. Um, and the only thing I ever saw that was ever around before then was the dead zone. Um, besides that, it was a pretty unknown way of doing it. And it, um, it had a kind of a mix between, and this is going to sound really weird, but it, it had a mix between Twin Peaks and limitless hmm. like how limitless is shot with like the you know the a lot of the the flashing and a lot of the you know switching back and forth from location to location a lot of deliriousness and it had like the eeriness of twin peaks to be added in like the director of of limitless went on and shot an episode of twin peaks like this is kind of what it would look like and overall it was a great i thought it was a great movie it kind of it got you know kind of bad reviews it was a 53% on Rotten Tomatoes, kind of split in the middle. I know a lot of people have said that it was, you know, it was slow, but I thought I found it really interesting. Um, and I know Sarah had mentioned several times that I should check out this movie. She's really into the, you know, the true life stories, and she had mentioned this one um, before. I thought it was really interesting. Um, it kept my attention, you know, the, and when the shit went down, it, 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 I don't want to spoil anything, but when the, you know, obviously, well, I just described what happened at the end. Um, uh, you know, the bridge you know, collapsed at the end and there's, you know, there's a lot of drama that goes into that, but it's everything that was leading up to it. And again, like The Conjuring, it felt real. It felt like, you know, this was a, a situation that people lived through and there's just normal people just dealing with it. It isn't, you know, it isn't a, a psycho, you know, killer running around stabbing people. It's just, it's just this thing that, you know, people can't quite explain that are happening to people. Um, there's a great scene that I, my favorite scene in the whole movie though, is um, they're in a diner and he's talking to the guy. He ends up becoming friends with the guy who pulls shotgun on him, um, and he talks about the night before how he um, he heard a voice that 99 people will die and everything is okay, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. There's literally a news broadcast going in the background that a like a United flight um, just crashed and 99. Uh, passengers and crew were all died, and it, and I was like, I've seen this in other in other movies, but it's cool that this was kind of at that. Sounds like the Knowing with Nicholas Cage. Yeah, it, it kind of has that. It kind of had that. You um, ever seen that one? I never saw that one. I, I it was an all right one. I didn't hate. I know a lot of people said, Oh my god, this is so stupid. I'm like, 
it's all right. It's yeah, nothing it's, great. I, 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 I heard, thought the ending was a little weird, but I'm like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I, I heard nothing but bad things about it. I watched it's like, meh. Yeah. Um, it's not like a terrible movie or anything. It's a good thing to pass the time. But I'm it's sure it's bad. better than the director's other movie, Gods of Egypt. One of these days, I'm going to watch that. I heard she it was, also I, did I Robot, which I thought was okay. I, 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 I loved I Robot yeah, too. I thought that was a great movie. He did The Crow, which a lot of people love. I thought it was good. Crow, I love as well. But my favorite movie of his is Dark City. Never saw it. Never even heard it. of it. You should see it. Will do. Squirrels. That's. It, I don't know. I'm thinking the, the Crow Part Two is something. It's, it's Crow Part Two. Something, something. See Avengers, but he did the first one. He did the first he one. The okay. First one. The first one's great. The yeah. first one's great. That's the, the only one I've ever great. seen, but it is a great movie. Good Bad Flicks did a really good episode on, on the second the, one. The second one, and the, about how it got hacked to bits. Yeah, the um, I'm sure there's a director's cut somewhere in there that's good. The um, I but say that about a lot of movies, sadly. But, but ben, back to Mothman Prophecies, it's um, I definitely recommend it. Um, it but it does you do have to enjoy mystery movies and you have to enjoy a little bit of slow burn. It's it's this is a um, this is a dread movie. Like it's the feeling of dread, like and and this just this sinking feeling of like there's something seriously fucked up, like but it's in the ether, like I don't know, like it's just it just this crushing dread of like there's something going on, and it's really good with with um, um with the environment and and actually uh, Richard Gere's great in it, he's fantastic, he um he plays the role really well of a guy who's just trying to um figure it out um you know and also how this is connected to him, how it's connected to his the deceased wife, you know, she saw seeing the Mothman, um, and all these other town people seeing the Mothman and how he ended up in this town, um, and overall it's a really enjoyable movie. Um, I do recommend it. Um, there, um, I can see where people had their issues with it, which is it does drag in places, um, but it, and that's just one of those things that if you're not invested in what's going on and finding intriguing what's going on, it'll be. Exactly what you said it was when you, you know, when you gave me the perception. It's slow, like. But if you're not into that, and if you're not into that kind of intrigue of about about it, and you want something to happen right now, like it, it's just not going to be that kind of movie. It's not something that's going to hit you every two seconds. It's not that type of horror movie. Um, uh, but I do recommend it. It's good. It's it's very good. Um, and it's loosely based on on them obviously it's been updated from 1960s to 2003 but um but still overall really fucking solid movie definitely recommend it okay then yeah yeah um any other just quick true story horror movies any of us want to mention no no i mean i just i mean i read it off a few ones earlier but they were loosely based but not really like the only other one that i could recommend personally is another shark movie the reef i talk i talked about this movie in a few other podcasts i can't remember which one but the reef it is again one of my top five favorite shark animal horror episode that might have been it yeah the reef also based on a true story great movie um i fully recommend that one as well but other than that no i got nothing yeah um, I do want to briefly mention The Town That Dreaded Sundown, which is a 1973, 74, maybe 75 movie. I saw that one listed, but I wanted to know, um, is that actually based off a true story or is it inspired by... I do believe it's based on a true story. I didn't research it that much, but I know it's at least true story adjacent. I don't know if it's inspired or based on... I think it's based on. Okay. Um, but it is the killer with like the burlap sack over his head. Jason Friday Thirteenth Part Two was based. The look of him was basically yeah. a rip off of the killer in that movie. Um, Justin and I actually watched it maybe about 
It was almost a. Uh, it was several um, months ago at this point. Yeah, I when maybe you guys about it. maybe about a year ago, less than a year ago, but almost a year ago. Yeah, and it's not that good. Like I can't remember what kept happening in it, but something kept happening where we were just like. It would be a drinking game where it's like, every time this happens, take a shot. Like, I can't remember if it was like every time a scene fades to black at the end, or if it was like a narrator. Came, I think it was a narrator coming up. Mark, write um, this down. We got this. <laughs> we'll do it. Like I, I, like, like I said, it's I can't remember what the thing was, but there was something in it that we were just, just like, oh, there it is. Take a theoretical shot. Um, but I do recommend... <laughs> Sitting through it and soldiering through so that you can watch the sequel that was made in 2014. The sequel is not a true story, um, but in the sequel, it takes place in the same town. The town is famous for that killer, and the original movie is an actual movie in this movie. Um, so it is a kind of a meta sequel that takes place like 60 years after the first one. And it's actually really good. Nice. Like, that was a legitimately good mystery. Um, some really cool cool kills in it. We apologize for the thundering crashes outside. We're in the middle of a war zone. The, uh, it's, it, it gives the thunder helps our ambience. Yeah, indeed. A little bit of effect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do recommend sitting through a bad 1970s movie that does not, that has not aged well to get to a really good meta sequel. Okay. All right, fair enough. I think that... The thing that Which you... is also called The Town That Dreaded Sundown. It's not a remake. It's cool. a sequel. So I, there's two that I don't want to forget that are loosely based, you know, um, on true stories. Um, one being, this is a quick, quick story, is um, uh, The Strangers is based on a, a very, you know, a, a situation and then highly exaggerated from that situation it was actually about um, a suburb, I believe, also in Sweden, where uh, where burglars were actually knocking on doors randomly, and they were knocking on windows to actually see if people would turn on their lights. Because um, if they didn't turn on the lights, that would signify that no one was home, so they can actually rob people. It was something that was going on. It was a string of robberies that were going on, and obviously, the writer uh, that happened to the writer um, because uh, his child actually answered the door. And and she said, "Daddy, there's somebody at the door that uh, that that wants to see you know if you're home." There's just this random, weird, sketchy-looking dude. And he said, "Yeah, I just wanted to see if you were home." And then turned around and walked away. And then it turned out that he was actually one of the robbers trying to see it. And and then he got the idea, and he kind of exaggerated the the situation to be what the strangers is. But it is slightly um uh, you know based on something that really did happen to the writer. And the other one that it's talked about all the time, but I, I need to emphasize it because of its cultural relevance, was the original Exorcist and how it's based on the uh, the files that were the original Exorcist, not not the Exorcist of Emily Rose, but the original Exorcist, um, because it was based on those Catholic files that were that were never released and they were finally released in the 1970s, and no one had ever seen anything like that or even known that the Catholic Church was performing those things obviously after the original exorcist it became more well known that there was a separate sect of the church but before the release of those files and then eventually the exorcist no one ever knew that there was actually a secret sect it was an actually legitimate like monastery directly dedicated to exorcism 
um, uh, based on those on their reports and their files that have been active since like the 1800s, maybe even before, um, with the Catholic Church. And that was, you know, I, I remember my grandmother telling me stories about, you know, how, you know, obviously the Catholic Church was huge, you know, way back then, and for that to be released was a huge ordeal back then and nobody had ever seen anything like that and now it's based on something that's based on files that really were uh, really were documented by the catholic church that was fucking insane back then so like and then it led into you know what brandon's pick was um about that and then you know the later discussions but the there's the cultural relevance of of that original um i believe those original books um that were all the files and then eventually came the exorcist was insanely um, culturally relevant at that time because again no one had ever seen that or even known that that existed within the Catholic Church. Seventies were a weird time, the uh, kind of a crazy time. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Um, I actually have a question in the podcast. Oh right. The <laughs> the uh, um, so if you could base a film on any true life experience. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do I will leave you I will say the first one has to be horror but if you want to pick a secondary thing that's not horror or not horrifying um, you can pick it but you know let's start with horror first. Easy the ship that went down during World War Two after after they delivered the bomb. Yeah, the one the the base on the that's USS Indianapolis the yep. actual speech by. Um, Quint by Quint um, that was written by. I Robert. have wanted to make that movie for years now. Yeah. One because it's a great it would make it would be not only a great shark movie but a great horror survival movie. It would and it would be a very there's a lot of a lot of good stuff that come but it's a very harrowing story. The um, uh, yeah it'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, like I would definitely see that. Brandon, mine would be a short film based on something that actually happened to me and my mother. Really? Yeah. Um, do you know what a whiteout is? Yeah, when you can't. Yeah, I've, I've been I've been in one. It's fucking they're horrifying. terrifying. They're, they're a whiteout. A whiteout. So you're about to find out what it is. So this was. It doesn't involve cocaine. So oh. when when my so my family used to live in Virginia. We moved up to Westfield, New York. Which, as we joke, it's as far away as you can get from New York City, but still pay the taxes. Like we are right in Western New York on the Pennsylvania border. They're actually closer to us in Chicago than they are to New York City. That's crazy. Yeah. That's Me and how my buddy make jokes about that all the time. It's hilarious. Yeah, that's how far west, because it's, you know, New York State is more than just New York City. It is? Believe it, believe it or not, it is. Um, and so, pretty much what happened was my dad got sick and needed to stay behind in Virginia for a series of surgeries, and my brother stayed behind with him to look after him. Mm. So, it was me and my mother who moved up first because I needed to start school at the time um and then something happened where I was taken out of school and so I was homeschooled um but we moved up there in at the end of the summer beginning of fall and then so this was our first winter up there and my brother hadn't moved up there with us yet my dad hadn't moved up there with us yet so it was just me and her and it was really at the beginning of winter. Like, it was before winter is really even winter. Or might have been on that edge of, like, the end of fall becoming winter. But it wasn't... We, we had no reason to believe that there was going to be snow. And the weather forecast looked good. There, so there was no reason... It's, like, 
nothing either outside how it fell or looking at the weather report on the news nothing gave any kind of indication for snow and so we wanted to head to the Fredonia era area and do some shopping and so we get in the car uh, we go out onto the highway which is it's really maybe like a half hour drive to get to Fredonia it's not that long but as we're getting onto the highway snow starts to fall and it's maybe within like a couple minutes complete whiteout can't see shit couldn't see oh, anything okay. like it's have you ever seen the mist yeah that shit oh it's snow yeah dude it's it's i've been in, i've been in both actually i've been in a, a whiteout and then also a i like i'm assuming a rain out because it, it the, the rain is so fucking heavy that you can't see yeah i've been one of those story too. for when you guys are done with this yeah we i was in a brief rain out when um I was helping um, a fellow student with her senior film. We shot it at her parents' place in Indiana. And as we were coming back to Chicago, we got caught in like a rain out and we actually had to pull over. And luckily it ended in like 15, 20 minutes or so. So we were able to get back to driving. But still, you couldn't see. Like windshield wipers did nothing. Yeah. And so for the whiteout, it's like we couldn't see the cars in front of us. We couldn't see the signs on the highway. We had no idea where our exit was. We didn't even know if we were even on the road. Sounds like fun. No, yeah. Been, been there, um, done that, bought that t-shirt. Yeah, it was terrifying. Because we were just like, we don't know if we're going to hit somebody. We don't know if anybody's going to hit us. Like, it was terrifying. Um, like, and my mother and I, we'd never even heard of a whiteout before then. So it's like if you're in the area, it's just like, okay, yeah, I got caught in a whiteout. For us, it was like we don't know what's happening. Um, so it's like I've always wanted to do a short film based off of that feeling of being caught in a whiteout, have, having no idea where you actually are. You're trying to slow down and just trying to like maybe see something. Like maybe we can, like there is that one point where we're able to see just enough of tire tracks in front of us. So that we could at least follow. We will know. We know we're following something. We don't know if that something ended up hitting anything else or falling into a ditch or something. But it was like we had no idea where we were, and luckily we were able to see one of the exit signs at some point. And my mother was driving slow, yeah. so if, let's say if, if it was like a half hour drive, well, you're slowing down. That half hour drive is now maybe a forty five minute drive. Easily. So it's like. So we're not, so we're going slower. We don't know if everybody else is going slower. We, we just don't know. Like we were totally expecting to get hit or to fall into something or crash some, into something or to, into someone else. Um, but we finally made it to Fredonia and we were able to find, and it's like once we got off the highway, it was still very snowy, but we could at least see things. Yeah. Um, it, it was just that stretch of highway where it was terrifying. And so we found, like, I think it was a Taco Bell KFC, pulled into that, got some by the time we were done eating, it was cleared up. But I'll never forget that feeling of being caught in a whiteout for the first time. Yeah, dude, I've had some, <laughs> I've had, I've had quite a few. Yeah, I've done rainouts, I've done whiteouts, I've done, uh, I've done thunder snow. The, I remember being out at five in the morning and, and snow snow blowing the that whole front uh, front sidewalk, and I dude I I'd never heard thunder snow snow before 
and then it went off, and I was like, oh, it jumped. I thought a fucking plow hit a house. The, uh, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck was that? The, uh, so, yeah, no, I, I've been there, brother. I really have. Okay, so my little small mini story is when I was in California, you know, we were driving all the way to, um, what's it called, uh, San Diego or whatever, because we wanted to do that shark diving thing. So we're driving and driving, and from L.A. to San Diego or whatever, you have to go through these mountains. So we're driving up, and it's like curved, right? So we're curving and we're curving, and we see the top of the mountain. Just a wall of fog. And Super. And us being the gamers that we are, our eyes widen, our jaws drop, and we're like, Roll up the windows! Roll up the fucking windows! Pyramid Head's gonna get us! Holy shit! It's the fog! Silent Hill! Fuck! 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 <laughs> we're just driving. I can't see shit! Yo, can anybody see anything? No! We can't see a fucking thing! Ian, are we gonna drive off a cliff? No, just keep going straight. It's a cliff, isn't it? That's a fucking cliff! What the fuck? <laughs> Three people freaking out and one Californian's like, eh! No, it's two people freaking out and one Californian's just... Oh, they're like, eh! Yeah, whatever. Yeah, uh, it's a Tuesday. We're driving. The Californian, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're driving. Me and Abe's windows are open. We're taking in the breeze, and we see that we're like, "Fuck this!" Up. <laughs> we're both screaming, "Windows up! Windows up!" <laughs> Fucking hilarious. That's, that's what happens when you play too many video games. The uh, your imagination runs wild, the... especially when you see a wall of fog in the middle of nowhere. It's like. Silent Hill, Silent Hill, Silent Hill, Pyramid Head. You didn't see the sign that says welcome to Silent Hill. You're fine. Yeah, we don't need to see the sign. We just know. You're, you're fine. I'll take Raccoon City, thank you. Yeah, they All of Raccoon City and Silent Hill both have welcome signs. If you don't see them, you're fine. We should get the rights to both of them and make Silent Hill versus Raccoon City. I don't know how two cities would fight each other, but we'll find a way. <laughs> Call Christopher Nolan. He knows a way. If, if Sci-Fi Network can figure it out, we can figure no it shit. out. shit. The, um, uh, we just have to remind, remind ourselves that we have no shame. Uh, just like Sci-Fi Network. Um, they really have no shame. They've done some good TV shows, though. Fair enough. 12 Monkeys was fantastic. I'm still going to watch that. You buy your recommendation. Um, I actually would do two, and one... Um, one is uh, one simpler, and it happened a long time ago. Is and a TV movie might have done it, you know, just because TV made movies kind of cover every serial killer. But I would love to do the one on Richard Speck, uh, which is a Chicago-based uh, serial killer. He murdered nine nurses in Chicago in the 1960s. I actually learned about him when I was doing a report with my nana on the 60s, um, and that was one of those things that had happened in Chicago. Um, he had snuck into, you know, a place where, like, training nurses um, uh, were there, and then he, he killed them. It's actually um, referenced in Man Men um, uh, when the grandmother is uh, has a butcher knife um, and she's going to defend uh. herself. That's that's the Richard Speck situation that had happened. Um, uh, the, uh, so it's I think it's a really interesting story, and no one's ever done it before. Um, and it's it would be cool to do something period piece in the 1960s um, to do you know something in that serial killer um, angle, I think it would be pretty cool. The um, and the other one is highly controversial, but it's because of I was a um, a PA on a film and I also played a few background extras a comedy film. I I've never seen it, um, never saw it again. But the um, but there was one actor on the on the film that uh, that actually looked like Aaron McKinney. Who was the one of the kids who killed um, all those kids in Calvine High School? 
And I, and I always thought, I was like, this would be super fucking fascinating to do a film on Calabine. Um, and then just tell the whole story from the inside out. And it's obviously, it's, it's horrifying. It's horrifyingly true um, and can be very much in the horror genre. But um, is it a large tragedy that still is affecting a lot of people and only happened 21 years ago? Yes. But, you know, if you can make a movie about the World Trade Center, you can damn sure make a movie about Calabine. Um, I, the, um, I, I've always wanted to see it and a lot of it had to do with the fact that that one actor looked just the fuck like him. So I'm like, I would cast him to, to play that role. I mean, he probably doesn't look like it now, but this was like 11 years ago when I, when I thought about this, but yeah, that's one of them that I would do. Um, uh, just because I think it, um, it changed a lot of our culture and how we looked at, looked at a lot of things, um, uh, you know, looked at. Um, school and you know and um, counterculture and a lot of other crazy shit. It was a nice. It was a. It was a weird little stamp at the end of the '90s um, that kind of made the '90s go out on a like kind of a shitty note. But you mean a bang? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been 21 years. Uh, I think the statutes have run out. But that being said, um, I think it would be really. It, it, I would have to do it. That it would be very very intelligent film it would be a very intelligent horror horror piece um it would be very much in that silence of the lambs you know kind of realm um uh, you know and i would definitely amp up the horror but yeah that was definitely something that i would do based on a true story so yeah that's my piece all right i think that just about covers it then any final thoughts squirrels um there's a lot of great uh, horror movies that are based on real life experiences uh sometimes uh, as we've learned uh real life can be scarier than actual fiction Yep, I agree. Uh, There's some really good ones out there. And if you haven't seen Shadow the Vampire, I highly recommend that one. Indeed. All right. So that's all we have for today. You can listen to our previous episodes of the Nightmares podcast on Spotify, Anchor, or YouTube. Uh, You can also donate any funds to us through Anchor. And be sure to check us out on social media, on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Slasher. Take it easy, everybody. We'll see you next time.